0: Welcome to this podcast from Third Flatiron Publishing in Boulder, Colorado and Ayr, Scotland. Tis the season of kindness, so we're reading an unusually upbeat Gothic horror tale Dream Eater by Nemo Wallenfang. We meet an ancient, filthy, crow like critter that consumes dreams. He's jaded and bitter, shunned by everyone and everything. When a human woman shows him the smallest slice of kindness, his attitude begins to alter. A prolific and varied author, Nema Wallenfang comes from the gloomy, windswept north of England, a countryside filled with preserved old houses, including several that have served as Mr. Darcy's Pemberley in films. Nema volunteers in animal rescue and holds a veterinary masters in vector biology and parasitology which comes in handy when dealing with wild or domestic casualties. See the interview accompanying this podcast to learn about her writing. This story first appeared in the anthology Things with Feathers, Stories of Hope. For more from 3rd Flatiron, check out our website at thirdflatiron.com and subscribe to the podcast. And now we present Dream Eater by Nema
1: Wallenfang. Dream Eater by Nema Wollenfang. Sleep, sweet dreamers, sleep until the world is gone. As the neighborhood descends into the cathartic embrace of slumber, I hover over all, a wraith on feather wings that circles and soars. None see me, none would, not even if they were to peek through the thick curtains of their cozy homes. For I am as black as the night. A moonless sky veils the world As I flap my great wings and fly. The streets of London are quiet at this hour, Tranquil as a church's crypt. Westcott Avenue disappears below, And I glide over terraced rows Into Newport Street. Always looking, always listening. So much gold, and all of it mine? This will solve everything. The children have sprouted wings. Ernest will have a fit. I'll paint the house in rainbows. That's what I'll do. Capital idea. Nonsensical threads of half-formed dreams drift from open windows, like waving worms ready to be plucked. There are so many, and all are so lush and juicy. The human mind is an imaginative place more so in this era of invention. And here they are, ripe for the picking. Selecting a target, I dive and peck, ensnaring a golden ripple in my razor beak. It squirms, releasing a high-pitched squeal, like the tremble of wind chimes. Its eldritch light flickers as it struggles to withdraw into the safety of its window. It's useless, I have a firm grip. With a rough yank, I tear it away and gulp. The taste is divine lilac and jasmine, honey and milk, ambrosia of the gods, more. I circle and veer back, spying another waving form. I feed on thoughts of summer sands and winter slopes. I feed on child's laughter and a lover's kiss. I feed on far flung hopes. distant horizons. More. I feed on all and leave nothing behind. Except for the nightmares. Those they can keep. And yet the hunger persists. When dawn crests the dew-coated streets with its fresh glow, the sleepy inhabitants begin to stir. That is my cue, my signal to retreat. One shiver, and in a waterfall rush, my body takes on the tangibility of solid form. Wind, rain, icy chill, senses hone to a glaring new spectrum. I have not reaped enough to settle my gut, but the rising sun means an end to the hunt. With innards now grumbling twice over for nourishment, I seek shelter in the gnarled branches of an old oak tree, where insects scatter and brown leaves rustle. Lifting an unkempt wing, plumage ragged, thick with lice, I tuck my head into the crevice of a wing pit and try to rest. Sleep does not come easy most days, and now, not at all. The hunger is far too strong. At midday, I venture out into the world again, flying over road and field in search of something, anything, to sate that gnawing ache. Physical food now, something solid. The cobbles are damp, and the grass is soggy. A spray of rain swirls in the air. Traffic blasts below, steam trains and cars, and trams with their shrieking horns. Noxious gray smoke consumes the sky, and I swerve to avoid the rotating propellers of low-flying airships. I hate the damp. I hate the noise. I hate the thick patches of industrial smog. I hate the people, spoiled, the whole lot of them, with hungers so easily sated, sleep so easily gained. Into a park I glide, hovering above a dozen wooden tables ringed by trees. All are occupied, the lunchtime rush, and all are oblivious. My belly roils in anticipation now. That is the way with physical forms. They require regular maintenance of the gastric and cardiac systems. Not like that evanescent specter that lurks the dark hours, my other ethereal self. Though that, too, requires more than it ever used to. There was a time, long ago, when one dream could sate that famishment for nigh on a year. No more, it seems. Both hungers cry out now, unified in distress. Both constantly demand more. Neither is easy to assuage. Chatter from the picnic tables rises up in a cacophony of noise. We should invite Marjorie when we head for Cornwall. She'd simply love it there. No, I told him, that price is simply too high. Look, can we just have a nice, quiet luncheon, Cuthbert? Please. No one sleeps in the daylight hours. No one dreams so I cannot feed that hunger. The other, however, the gastric rumble, must make do with what scraps can be pilfered. I choose my spot with precision, a family group on the outer edge who have plenty of food to spare and a little one with clumsy hands. I tumble, crashing into the grass nearby. The child spots me first as I hobble their way. It wears a flat cap, breeches, and braces over a white shirt. Mama! What is that? He points with a jammy finger. His mother turns and starts. It's sick, honey. Don't touch it. Come away. With ushering haste, the family depart, leaving their bounty to the birds. I am not the only one to target them. Others are already present. Crows and jackdaws, rooks and magpies. All the carrion feeders vie for the prizes on offer, with snapping beaks and scratching claws. Mine! 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 More! 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 They squawk in angry protest as I approach, flapping their wings as if they mean to beat me away with air currents alone. I will not be beaten back. I will have my share. Trudging close, I release a hoarse wheeze. It rattles, phlegmy and sickly, like a chimney-sweep's cough. The other raptors back off, and with unhappy clacks, they take wing and vanish. None stay, none would, for I am the bird who other birds shun. The bread is coarse, half stale, and sticky with jam. I gobble everything, crumbs and all, pecking in the grass to retrieve strays. Perhaps it is the scraggly coat that the other creatures fear. Perhaps it is the sharper-than-average caw. Perhaps they simply sense that something is different. Inherently wrong. I am wrong. I feed on slumber's music. The bread is insufficient, as always. The taste on my tongue is bitter. I hobble to the next table, and the next. Nothing at either, and as I creep closer, their occupants subtly pack up and flee. The third table is already leaving when I arrive. I have better luck there. An abandoned hamper! with nothing but a napkin inside. Huh. What is that? A voice cries. "Ah, It's hideous! I look up to see a pair of parasol-bearing women staring down with distaste. Fashion is transitory, changing with every era, and these two wear the tightly boned corsets, frilly bustles, and ribbon-like fascinators favored by the women of this time. "'What's wrong with it?' the first voice continues. "'It belongs to the skinny blonde with ample ringlets, and a bright pink police, "'the one who stands far too close to an abandoned crust. "'With the flap, I nip at her toes. "'Mine!' "'She yelps and jumps back. "'I feast. "'Other words fall from their lips as I peck, in half mutters. "'Words like deformed, and ugly, and diseased. "'They see what I am, even if they do not understand.' They see the grotesque black varmint. I've heard it all before, could not care less to hear it again. A pink handbag swings my way. I shriek, falling back, and flap and flap and flap. It's just a crow tabby, the other girl says, the brunette. Leave it alone. Another caw works its way from my throat, a disgruntled and gritty croak. Sounds like it's dying, the blonde girl mutters. She seems relieved. Poor thing. Her companion shifts closer and crouches nearby. A lonely hand rises. Don't touch it, the blonde frets her disgust plain. You don't know where it's been. The brunette does not listen. She does not cringe or strike out. She's the only one who's ever dared approach. Mute with surprise, I let her reach. And touch. And stroke. No human has ever. Soft, she says, like silk. Her touch is satin, a warm sensation that seeps through feather into flesh and bone. I remember this one. I fed from her. Her dreams were succulent and satisfying. The memory of fresh-baked cookies, eaten with chocolate milk as a child. A mother's kiss, rich in unconditional affection. Rhoda, her friend whines. Ah, a name. With it, I am ensnared. Magnetic beauty spills from her unwavering gaze. The colors of Rhoda's irises are sublime. Gentle brown and jaded green and moss. Earthy hues. Hypnotized, I stare. My eyes are reflected in hers, too. Twin mirrors of black ice. And I think I see her shiver. Come away, Rhoda! "'the other female insists. "'She looks as uneasy as other humans do around me. "'She senses the underlying wrongness. "'Does the brunette not?' "'With a blink and a shake, "'Rhoda breaks her trance and stands. "'For a moment I feel strangely bereft, "'but before she departs, she reaches out. "'There's something in her hand. "'Here,' she says. "'You look like you need it. "'A handful of bread crusts are tossed to the ground.' Then she leaves. Food. She gave food. No human has ever done this before. No human has ever shown such simple kindness. And the bread tastes somehow better for it. That night, I find her again. Rhoda, the brunette with the bread. It is not hard. I hear the high chime of her dream chords as they wave and sing, glowing in the dark and I remember their call. Her window is open, its lace curtains billow into the cool night like gossamer veils. Something is amiss. Clouded in thunder, she writhes and moans, a helpless victim of her darker mind. Vicious, spiked leeches wind their way into the air alongside the golden dream threads, like weeds amongst a garden of roses. But unlike the gold, they do not wave and sing. No, they constrict their counterparts, squeezing like ivy and piercing until the innocent gold squeals. Boas ensnaring fragile prey, rocks beating china, executioners tightening the noose. With an irritable flap, I snap at the air, diving and pecking. I snatch one, it growls. An unfamiliar rumble, I return in kind. With hard yanks, I fight to haul it back as my wings beat air. Pulling, pulling. The gray worm flails, growing taut. Sharp steel-gray barbs abrade my feathers. The pain is tolerable, the damage minimal. All I need to do is groom again later. It gives with the high screech of nails on chalkboard. I gulp it down. The taste is repugnant. A cystic tang reminiscent of pus filled boils and weeping sores. But the golden thread is now free, free to sway and sing its haunting crystal song. The girl seems to calm. Night gentles, but more begin to rise. More. I wait for the nightmares and strike. Visceral tastes butcher my tongue, bubbling tar and foul egg sulfur, organic decay and smoky ash. Destructive tastes, vulgar tastes, maggots feast on a rotting carcass, dripping canines and glowing red eyes, volcanic magma, a panicked breath. No ambrosia, but the rotten perfume of putrefaction. Somehow, they still satisfy, and the other hunger abates. No longer smothered, her seedling dreams sprout and grow, "'blooming into fully-fledged, glowing reeds. "'Tinkling laughter, poetic rhyme, "'the sensation of sunlight on skin. "'No longer gold, but silver, "'and such a silver I have never before seen, "'for it is so much more than that. "'Sparkly, shining, crackling with life, "'the mercury threads wave with the sinuous grace of flowing water. "'Their lengths fragment with microscopic prisms of diamond dust.' Her dreams are exquisite. She is exquisite. The next day, I follow her. I cannot say why. Hopping from branch to branch in the gnarled oak trees above, I track Rhoda as she goes about her day. She never looks up. Why would she? Her world is on the ground. I watch as she walks the land in a ruffled mauve dress and high, clacking heels. I watch through a high window as she drinks tea and talks to other ladies in a great wood-paneled hall where white-clad males in mesh masks do battle with giant needles. I watch as she departs to eat a meager lunch on an outdoor bench. I watch as she smiles. She intrigues me in a way no human ever has, this woman with a kind soul. And while she does not look directly at me as she passes my perch... Her hand slips into her purse, and out come the crumbly crusts. With a subtle flick, she tosses them. I gobble all. Why would I not? They are given freely, and the taste is not so bad. This process continues, for many days. I find I crave the sweet dream threads less and less. The acrid nightmares do well enough to hold that hunger at bay, and the time I spend with her seems to sate what remains of that visceral side of me. It is as if she emanates sunlight and I bask in its nutritious glow. The hearty bread helps, too. It quiets the other nagging ache in a way it never fully used to. And because of that, once again I manage to sleep at dawn. I wonder why. What has changed? My life has fallen seamlessly into a new routine. By night, I stay by her side, leeching away the cloying darkness. Peace is all she knows in sleep, and happiness, and light. Without the darkness, that is all there is. Sometimes I wish I could join her there, in the Edens she creates. Instead, I stand sentinel, her stalwart guard, her Uriel with the flaming sword. Her eyes flip behind closed lids, and fingers twitch as she softly moans. I marvel at the boneless grace of her slumber, Such peace is rare in the waking world. By day, I venture out into the world, flying over street and park, gliding around Big Ben, flitting between dirigibles and dancing in the wind currents from their propellers. The cobbles are no longer just damp, but a glistening palette of silver, like her new dreams. The blast of traffic is no longer shrill, but as melodic as music. Horses whinny, people talk, Machinery rolls and grinds. Rain still swirls, but I shower in its refreshing chill. And the air is crisp and clear. I love the rain. I love the music. I love the flight. I love the people. They're not so bad. I leave their dreams alone. The park and its bounties I abandon to the other, needier creatures. and I take to roosting in my Rhoda's rose garden. Where I have a clear vantage of her bedroom window. She notices, of course. The female has a sharp eye. But she does not groan at this new development as others might, nor does she swat or shoo. She smiles. She always smiles. "'You're looking much better,' my girl says one morn as she winds in ringlets. "'Your feathers are glossy, your throat is clear, and your eyes sparkle like beady black beetles.' It is true. In these past days I have never been healthier. The thick infestation of lice has sloughed away like a shed husk, leaving my skin a healthy pink. My wings gleam with the rainbows of oil. They now repel the rain. And when I caw, the sound is almost symphonic. I am, as I used to be, in days long past, a fine and admirable specimen of ancient lore. Back then, my luminous wings had been muses to bards and painters and sculptors alike. "'I wonder,' she says, "'do you have a name, little one?' Of course I cannot reply, and she does not expect me to. Even if I could, I would have no ready answer. The ones I once bore have long since faded from memory. At night, as she sleeps, I sit on her sill and sift through her consciousness the way a panner sifts through river grit." for sparks of gold. Only, when I find gold, I leave it be. I let the threads sprout and bloom and wave and sing, eventually planting a few seeds of my own. The fledgling sprouts mature, and as they do, a new specter appears beside her dreaming avatar. A man. An echo of myself. This new form is uncomfortable for me. The hair is raven black, but too thin and fine to be feathers. The body is lean and muscular, but too tall. The clothes are tight and constricting. I straighten the shirt and pull at the ivory silk cummerbund with unfamiliar fingers. I wonder if she will like me this way. The thought that she will not is distressing. From where she stands among the swaying dream grass, donned in her mauve corset and bustle skirt, she turns and sees. And she smiles and says, Hello. Relief. I stop my uneasy shifting. Approaching with a ballerina's elegance, she raises a hand and touches and strokes. Soft, she says, like silk. My cheek leans into her satiny palm. Even though it is unreal, even though it cannot physically be so, her touch soothes and heats my new flesh, igniting a part of me I thought long dead, and, emboldened, I return the smile that she first gave. Hello. Like a botanist, I tend to Rhoda's dream garden, weeding and nurturing through the night, with hands this time not beak and talons. I care for her dreams, I eat her nightmares. She deserves no less than the utmost devotion. Deep in slumber, her garden is a rich amassment of flora that simply cannot be. Trees that walk, vines that curl and plet. Psychedelic blooms flower amidst lush grass that sings. Pollen fragrances the air with a lilac mist as we walk hand in hand, while shafts of sunlight sparkle over everything and dragonflies chime and dance the chaconne. I lead her to a rope swing, where she propels her legs back and forth, as she teases and laughs with me. She calls me Leith, her Leith. The gift of a name is something I never thought to receive. Within her mind, I take the ropes to still her swing. Then, looking deep into those moss-laden eyes, I kiss those plump lips in a way I never could in waking day. The white gold threads sing for us. Their music like the melodic tremble of harp strings. Their tunes are soothing and honeyed, and I pull her up so we can press our bodies close and sway to their ethereal songs. The feel of her is addictive. Her essence is enthralling. I take her in my arms and never let go. In this way, we build our own world, Adam and Eve of nowhere. Her friend will always taste the bitter bile of nightmares. But she, the girl with a golden heart, her dreams will be saccharine forever. Sleep, sweet dreamer, sleep until the world is gone.
0: Thanks for listening to this podcast from thirdflatiron.com. Original music by Disco Volante. Sound production was by Andrew Cairns,